and welcome to the latest episode of the Copcast podcast. We're recording this uh, the night after Liverpool record a, a, a narrow 2-1 victory over uh, Tottenham Hotspur at Anfield to maintain or to return to having a two-point lead at the top of the Premier League. Of course, having played one game more than Manchester City. So... Joining me in, in somewhat uh, relieved and, and a buoyant form to discuss uh, the game and to look ahead to the Southampton match. I've got a couple of voices that you'll be familiar with by now. Uh, joining me from Berlin is Cengiz Kokkery. How are you doing, Cengiz? All right, Neil. It's uh, as good as a blue Monday can get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Monday mornings are always a little bit better when Liverpool have won the night before, that's for sure. And um, joining us from Belfast, it's Dave Dunning. How you doing, Dave? Yep. Um, I wouldn't say exactly buoyant at the moment, more... <laughs> more Rather confused, perhaps. Yeah, Dave's confused and um, fragile, certainly. Fair but, enough. But yeah, yeah, the overriding, the overriding feeling is positive. Excellent, excellent. Well, as Dave tries to piece together the moments of his weekend spent uh, in Liverpool, watching Liverpool uh, beat Spurs, we'll try and at least uh, refresh his memory about the game. So uh, we'll get started with... Uh, I'll come to you first, Genghis. Obviously, massive game, uh, identified as, 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 well, probably one of the biggest of all the big games we've got left. Uh, which is every game pretty much, but massive was massively important to get off, uh, to start this this run of fixtures off with a win. Uh, obviously, Liverpool started well, uh, second half, a bit wobbly, but they get the win in the end. So um, it wasn't perfect by any means, but surely at, at, this stage of, at this stage of proceedings, the most important thing was to make sure we started this final run of games with uh, with the three points. Yeah, definitely, Neil. Um, I mean, when you when you look at our our last seven fixtures left, so including the Spurs game yesterday, that was probably on paper the most difficult game. And also, um, if you consider the way and like we all saw the way that Spurs were playing, they were such a dangerous opponent. And um, you know, we had the two weeks um, fucking international break, and so like you, you never know how how good. Um, how fit the players are going to come, you know, how good they're able to perform. And uh, e- even if you leave the inter- um, get into the international break on great form, there's no guarantee that you can continue that momentum when you're back. So uh, I-, I was really worried before the game, although I mean, uh, I did predict um, a 2-1, <laughs> uh, as you know, Neil. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I bet on it, but uh, it, I, I also had Mo to score first. So uh, you needed Salah to score last, and you were quids in there. Yeah, I should have known better thinking <laughs> about la- uh, the last time we played them at Anfield. Like it was, he scored right at the death in the well, and then obviously Lamela died. But yeah, I thought I thought he, you know, coming back from holiday, you know, he he had as much deserved time off since since forever, basically, and I I, I was backing him to. Maybe get an early goal, and you know we we could have then seen a bit more um, confidence by him, and maybe you'd have a few more players being drawn towards him, which could have freed Mane. But he ends up getting um, the header at the end, which was yeah a, a fair, fairly tame header, which Loris makes a big mess of, and Alderweireld, who was absolutely superb for the whole uh, 96 minutes until that moment, was kind of um, lost uh, with. 
what Loris was doing with the ball. And so, you know, it's not really his fault. Um, but yeah, it, it was just some karma from basically what happened with the uh, last season, I believe, um, uh, with Lamella diving to uh, win the penalty for them. So uh, that was basically the best way that game could have ended. But of course, for the last 20, 25 minutes were just, I mean, yeah, I, I didn't even, I, I couldn't, I couldn't think of the possibility of, you know, finishing the game with just one point. And I, I didn't, I, I, at one moment, I just completely blocked that thought. And I was just like staring into space, kind of um, just trying not to think about it. But yeah, and then it, it just, for some reason, even though it was a really poor second half, there, there was that feeling. I don't know, Dave, if you felt like this at Anfield, but it really did feel like, even though we were really off um, our game in the last 20, 25 minutes, that that goal would have just come in. It just felt like it, you know? And I, from from the TV, at least, it, it seemed like the atmosphere was also brilliant, um, even after we conceded that goal. Yeah, I think I think Klopp said as well in his, his interview afterwards that the atmosphere was absolutely peak and it was it was and I, I think there was mo- there was nearly more anxiety after we scored the second than at any other time during the game mm-hmm. um and I think that you know might I don't know whether it was well I'm, it certainly wasn't in my head at the time but a few people might have had their memories cast back to last year when we score really really and think we've won it in the next pop up the other end and snatch a dodgy penalty there. Yeah, it definitely ran through my mind that like I was like, please God, let nothing fucking ridiculous happen here. And it was yeah. like four minutes of added time, but it's ninety sixth minute and you just wonder if you know some a kick. All Liverpool fans basically have PTSD. So it's like, you know, in these kind of moments, you're always expecting the worst. But the, 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 the good news is that we've, we've found a way to deal with that now on a consistent basis. And we've kind of learned to just create our own luck by forcing it. And it just yeah. shows like how much the players actually want it. And yeah, I mean, it's it, it, all, all the missing pieces of the puzzle are slow, slowly being joined together. I mean, Yesterday, I think of the six uh, uh, clear chances that we created, five of them, uh, I think there were there were five chances um, uh, where uh, it was a header. So, I mean, we're really using um, parts of our game which we haven't used in recent years. I think we're only second uh, behind Tottenham by one goal uh, for the most headed goals in the in the Premier League now. And uh, we we just like the the complete package, you know, counter attacking. We have pacey wingers, fullbacks going up and down, headers, uh, guys like Virgil, Fabinho, and it's it just uh, it's it's just looking good. And we uh, some more players coming back from injury as well. We, we it seems like we could have a really really strong finish to the season. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's a a great point, really, about all the. These these stats that just seem seem to be creeping up, um, you know, as as you mentioned about the headed goals and about set pieces as well. So uh, we're we're really good good on well, our numbers are really low at conceding and really high from scoring from set pieces. 
uh, and more and more things, you know, keep popping up. We've got two players basically fighting it out uh, with a, with with Keane and Aguero for the Golden Boot as well. Um, and yeah, our our fullbacks have the most, I think, the most assists in the league. And it's it's just uh, you have more and more of these stats that just keep popping up as as and, and what it shows is that uh, Liverpool is a team that uh, at the moment uh, that are that are clicking and playing well and things are coming off for. So Dave, I want to come to you on this. Obviously, it wasn't the uh, the most fluent of performances. Um, you know, Liverpool being Liverpool, they made us sweat a little bit. Um, but sure, we're, we're used to that by now. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, um, what do you make of it? Anything to, to worry about in any way? Or is it, it is just a matter at this point of just finding a way to win, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Of course, it is. There's six games left. You know, it is. It's just get the points on the board. I, I, I really couldn't give a fuck about how many goals we score. And I know it was scrappy. And I know it was... And I know it was disjointed second half certainly to be fair I thought the first half we were really good yeah we were, I think we were real like they didn't lay a glove on us first half and any half chances that that they had they were born out of our our own misplaced passes or our slackness at times um but I thought we we were I thought we were really really good without the ball um aside from probably the last 15 minutes um, whenever Klopp did make the change and he kind of emptied the midfield and it allowed them to break oh, and yeah. give them a bit and more space. Really yeah. Your fucking hats, like. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, we could, lo- we could, we could on another day we could lose that game if Moussa Sissoko isn't not very good, um, <laughs> basically. Um, I, know he's, I know he's probably in that team now on merit because he has had a decent season and he's workman like in that midfield and he gives he's him a lot of energy but <laughs> no no he's not even he's not even great with his right foot um never mind his left and he just smashes it and uh, it sails over the bar um but never, i don't think i've ever been as relieved to see a ball go over the bar honestly honestly i was i was watching and actually when i was watching it because it was into the ground I was like, what is Van Dijk doing? What is he doing? Go to him. I didn't realise Son was right up alongside him. Um, but watching it back, you know, he's brilliant for it. Um, and I think that's one thing that stand out for me. I know people will probably, have probably said the death, but oh, see watching Van Dijk live, like he, he just like he just does saunter about the pitch. He just danders about the pitch. Everything's nearly at half pace. <laughs> and it's just it, honestly it's bizarre um, he never even seems to get up into like anything remotely resembling a sprint um, and he's so dominant in the air and the only one criticism about half of him yesterday is the one he should fucking bury from the corner yeah and he then tries to take a touch and, and go round him and... no no the other one the header that he doesn't head oh yeah the misses yeah he just misses it completely it kind of it, it's Comes in at Firmino with a horrible kind of midriff, top of the thigh yeah. height. But apart from that, he's he's just he's just superb, you know. Um, but but yeah, I thought we weren't great second half. But let's be honest, Spurs are a good side, and I know they haven't been been the greatest the greatest of form recently. But they're the third best side in the league statistically, yeah. you know. 
they've loads of good players, they've loads of good attacking players, and, and we pretty much snuffed them out first half, and they got a bit more joy the second half, and Pochettino, to be fair to him, changed it. Klopp goes for it, he, he makes he makes the changes, he, he makes them immediately, he, um, they're, they're positive changes, um, and I think they're probably what everybody was crying out for him to do at Everton, or to do it to do at Old Trafford that he didn't do, but with the Sissoko chance and, and a couple of other chances that they had, you kind of kind of kind of understand why he doesn't do it. Reflecting on the last fifteen minutes, if you see what I'm saying. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I think I mean I think the other point is that he's he does it yesterday because he's he's used up all the all the uh, all the get out of jail freeze with the draws at, at Old Trafford and uh, and Goodison, you know. So um, so that's it. Now had had the games come the other way around and and the results actually been the same. He probably would have seen those changes in the you know in the same circumstances, but he knows now absolutely that uh, that that credit is essentially used up, and and there's no you know it, it yesterday was must win you know we can we we were talking pre pod about how we you know we, we wouldn't have been fun trying to come on here and um, <clears throat> and do a pod and 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 try to have to rationalise away a draw uh, or or even worse I mean I think a defeat. There would have been no rationalising it, but I'm sure we would have tried, and and probably you could have made an argument for saying, oh, you know, it's not the end of the world. Other points will be dropped, and so on. And while I think that is the case, other points will be dropped. I think it's a, it's very important when and where those points are dropped. And had Liverpool dropped points yesterday, that that may just have affected things, and um, uh, you know, would have given City that that confidence. Um, that they would have still been clear. They could have gone four points clear before going off. To play in in the cup competitions, and then even even worst case scenario, they would have come back only only two points behind with, with two games in hand, and, and so on and so forth. So it was massively important to to start this run off, I think, with a win, and and Liverpool managed to do it. And absolutely right, Tottenham, a very good side. What I thought was interesting, Cengiz, was that uh, it was the kind of respect that that Spurs uh, showed to Liverpool even at. Well, particularly at, in fact, but throughout the game, but particularly at at one one, Spurs haven't wrestled the initiative from Liverpool at the beginning of the second half, and and pretty much outplayed Liverpool for ten fifteen minutes, well ten fifteen minutes before their goal, perhaps. Um, suddenly hit one one, and and Dave rightly mentions there are a couple of couple of moments because of um, the changes we make and the, and the midfield being a little empty, but. <clears throat> Other than the other than those kind of uh, breakaway moments, Liverpool then seemed to wrestle the initiative back. Uh, Spurs Spurs seem to be happy with the with the point is what I'm saying. Spurs seem that they, they once they get that one one, I know Sissoko has his chance, but other than that, they, they're not. Uh, they kind of surrender the initiative a little bit, and Liverpool come back into the ascendancy. And and by the end, you could see, I think anyway. And, we were talking, although it, it wasn't that fluent. You could sense that a goal was coming. Um, what do you think? Um, I think it was probably one of the best um, performances at Anfield, probably the best performance at Anfield that I've um, seen so far this season from an opposition team. I mean, the the first um, in the first half, especially throughout the most of the first half, but especially the first 15, 20, 25 minutes, we're really dominant. We we had complete control over the game. We well, we got the early goal at around 15 minutes, was it? And um, 
it was it was okay. They 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 were they were trying every now and then, but we had control most of the first half. And the second half, I thought they were really 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 good. They were quite aggressive. Obviously, they changed their formation uh, later on as well. They they switched to four at the back, um, and uh, I guess the team had to adapt to that as well. But um, I thought the way th- their passing was very very crisp, and uh, they they really did play. I mean. It really did look like a knockout cup competition, like at one point that game, because it was just, you know, um, and also I, I, I remember saying, uh, was it to you or maybe it was um, Timon, but it, it almost looked like uh, we were the away side at one point in the second half. Uh, the way we were playing, we we're just, you know, sitting back because they, they were trying to get their equalizer. And, um, you know, I thought the game plan favored us. And, you know, we've we've kind of mastered uh, playing that way throughout the season, we have plenty of experience now, um, and um, I, I thought basically they did um, exceptionally well, but they just couldn't take their chances. And I just want to make a special ver- uh, mention to uh, Virgil's two v one moment because I thought that was uh, probably the most important um, highlight of the game, um, and we we could have. Uh, we we could have gone behind and then we would have been uh, fighting for an equalizer um, as opposed to getting the three points. So, you know, it, and as Dave said um, uh, earlier, you know, he he just trots around very smoothly, you know, not effortlessly. He's not really spending that much energy, and that's probably why he's able to play so many games. Has he only not played in like two or three games tops this season? I think so. You know, he, he he just saves energy during the games and he only runs when he needs to. Um, and in that 2v1, you know, it's it's uh, approaching the end of the game of a very intense game. And you, you see he, he does really well to, you know, keep his distance and the way he zigzags, uh, you know, as if he's approaching, then he stops and he, he keeps on covering Son and forces Sissoko to shoot with his left. I thought that was the, the most pivotal part of the game. And... Um, yeah, in, in general, you know, they, they, they did look really good. Um, but then at the end, you know, when wh- whatever team comes um, to Anfield, I think even if we uh, go past Porto and we see Barcelona, I'm pretty sure that, you know, if, if we need a goal at the end of the game, we're always going to dominate the last five, ten minutes uh, of a football game at Anfield, I think. Uh, with the power of the fans and the sheer determination of the players, you really do, like... Uh, I'm not just saying it because I'm saying it. It's it's really you can actually see the determination in every single one of those players. You know they're they're playing their hearts out for the club and hopefully um, they take us to glory this season because it, it really seems like something special could be happening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, Dave, coming over to you, Cengiz mentions there uh, obviously the Van Dyke moment you, you touched on it yourself haven't seen him and I thought what was um, it's been, uh, been noted as well obviously the role uh, our fullbacks are playing and, and their form at the moment and I thought both Robinson and Trent were, were excellent yesterday uh, both attacking contributions and, and their, their general play uh, what was it like seeing them close up because there was a lot of lot of fullback play yesterday a lot of, lot of those switches uh, sometimes even from one to the other. Uh, so, what were they like up close and personal? Um, first and foremost, and I just want to get this out now. Massive fan of Van Dijk just hoofing the ball out of the stadium after we score. Oh, yes, I saw that as well. 
Yeah. It was a very uh, on a very underrated piece of shithousery, just hoofing the ball, like clean over the new main stand. <laughs> so yeah, fucking, oh, I'll have that all day long. Um, the two fullbacks, see, the I think the fullback to fullback pass might be my favourite thing in football at the minute. Jeez. It's great. Robertson is just Robertson more so was just just switching it. Just switching it all the time out the trend, and they get so much freedom. Spurs did in the first half, particularly they were very, very narrow, which I thought was strange because they were playing with the two, the two wing backs. Um, yeah. But the guys were given the room, and the quality of the quality of delivery from both of them. You know, they're both smart players. I think both of them defensively were actually excellent yesterday. Trent. Yeah. Trent's first half was brilliant. He, he sweeps up two or three times. One one, I think, more is nearly in. The block for Robertson. Um, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's potentially goal-saving. I mean, I don't know. On the replay, it sort of looks like maybe Allison might be set again. But, you know, it could be potentially goal-saving at that point. The, the goal, I, like, I'm right behind it. The goal's gaping. It's absolutely gaping. And I'm just waiting for yeah, him to probably not, just wait. Yeah, like, it's probably not getting down to it. No, and by the looks of it, when I watched the game back today, Ericsson just absolutely smashes it, absolutely puts his foot through it. Um, but yeah, both of them superb. Need we talk about Robertson's delivery? It's cross, you know. I knew that was a goal before it even reached Firmino. It yeah. was just absolutely perfect. It used to be a real strength of Spurs, actually. Where Spurs, you would have said, had, had the best full backs in the league, probably you know, 18 to 24 months ago. But then they lose Kyle Walker. Davis and Rose have struggled for for fitness. I don't think Rose is that good anyway. And his delivery wasn't great. There's a few shanks behind the, the goal when he's in good positions. And Trippier isn't the same player as he was last year, whereas I think we genuinely now do have the two best fullbacks in the league. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm inclined to agree with that. You're looking and you're thinking, or you look, you look and you think... Who is better? Where is where is there a better left back? Where is there a better right back? Um, and there are no names that that, that jump out because I. And if, think- you, if you even want to go farther than that, chief, you know, you do well to pick out two better fullbacks across Europe. I think there'll be a handful of fullbacks that you would kind of mark in the same conversation as those two. And the fact that you're even speaking of not that anybody's better, but you would have in the same conversation. You know, it it just speaks volumes, and it's such an important, it's such an important position in football now. It used to be, you know, who's the shittest player in the team? Stick him at left back, but now it's it's a vital, vital part of the team, and particularly in 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 a clock team. So I think you know, it's maybe a bit concerning the lack the lack of cover we've got there. Which, but again, it's you know. But- isn't that also a, a bit of a you're a bit of a victim of your own quality there because you know we're talking about how good they actually are and as as individual fullbacks and to have them in the same team um, is is another boon you know um, but then you know by by definition you, there's going to be a drop off because your backup left back and right back you know they're not going to be as good as your your starting left back and right back and. And there aren't too many out there that combine the attributes um, of of being able to attack and defend and um, 
have the energy to do that and have good delivery from the crosses and have been tactically switched on enough to be sweeping up and tucking in and all the rest of it. So very, very difficult acts to follow, wouldn't you say? Yeah, totally. Um, and I think, again, similarities with Spurs, Spurs there, where I think even if Spurs do go and buy players, they find it difficult to, to buy players, certainly at the top end of the pitch in the centre-half, who are going to be you know, real top drawer and happy to sit on the bench because that's pretty much what they're going to do. They're going to play a handful of games a, se- a handful of games there a season, and it's just it's it's almost impossible to go out and buy that quality unless you're Manchester City. And even to be honest, there's a big drop off in City's two fullbacks as well because um, don't think oh, they lose. Sure, Fabian Gell's been get, getting a game there whenever they've uh, whenever the injuries or suspensions. Yeah, you've Zinchenko there as well, who's not a left back and he's a, yeah, and, he's a central central midfielder or something. Yeah, uh, well, supposedly not that yeah. I've ever seen him play. Well, I've like, but, seen him play at left back. Um, and then who's the other one? Danilo. Don't think he's great. You know. Yeah, I, I would. I would say there's a conversation to be had if, if they're the two best fullbacks in Europe. Yeah, absolutely. And and to even you know to even think about having that conversation just shows you, you know, how far they've come. In, in such a short space of time and, and how far Liverpool have come in such a short space of time. And, um, you know, the the difference that getting the right fullbacks or the fullbacks who can play in the way that we need them to play or Klopp needs them to play, how it's actually transformed Liverpool as a as an attacking force and as a team. That's excellent. That said, now I want to come over to Genghis here on... Um, on Mo, marvellous Mo. So obviously seven games without a goal. I suppose now technically eight games maybe without a goal. Um, but obviously he's in the in the right place in the right time. And I was watching the um, the beginning of Monday Night Football there and Carragher highlights um, Salah when the ball's coming back in from Trent. And he says there are three or four Liverpool players who've pretty much given up because the ball's come in and Kane's headed away and um, they're walking back and they're. Uh, all offside and, and Salah's the only one anticipating and obviously the ball comes in it's a good ball he puts it into the danger area which is all you could do and then Lloris proceeds to make an absolute mess of it so uh, obviously he's not going to be credited with that goal uh, much as it would have been nice um, but is that you know could that be the, the, the kind of catalyst that gets um, gets the scoring boost back on for Mo do you think Cengiz? You know, I, I thought it was a brilliant moment because um, even after uh, the game when um, he has his interview with uh, Kara, um, he says, like, you know, normally during corners or set pieces, I usually wait outside the box. I'm not really in and around the box and set pieces, but this time I wanted to change things. I, I wanted to take take my chance and take his chance he did. He It was, it was a fairly tame header, but... You know, he puts it in a in a dangerous position and there's quite a lot of players in the box. And I guess Loris, you know, it's it's the 90th minute and, and entering the 90th minute. And, you know, he, he can't really judge if it's fast enough for him to catch it or if he has to punch it away. And he, he just like spills it. And obviously Alderweireld is right in front of him and, you know, he tries to... Uh, grab the ball back as it's slowly rolling towards the line and he somehow misses and uh, then by the time Alderweireld uh, reacts it's too late and it's, it just crosses the line and oh my days what a moment absolutely incredible um, but you know even, even though um, statistically he didn't score or I don't even know if he gets an assist probably not 
Um, he does in the fantasy football. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know how that relates to real to football. Real life, no. I don't think he gets it in real life. I don't know. Is, is, is fantasy football not the only thing that matters? <laughs> is that not real? No. I thought that... I thought that was where we just generally get statistics from these days. <laughs> yeah, but um, hopefully, um, you know, at least it would have felt like he scored the goal because he was pretty much directly involved in it. And yeah. I'm pretty sure that will that will be that will do the world of good for his confidence. And hopefully, he he actually gets um, a few more um, in the next few games and also approaches the uh, 20 goal mark um, in the Premier League. Hopefully, that that would that would be. That would be pretty nice. But, uh, you know, he, he does, you can tell from every single interview he does or, you know, when he's on stage talking, you know, he's a confident guy and he cares about um, these kind of records. And, you know, he wants to get his 50th goal as well, just so, you know, that's out of the way. And he likes breaking records. And the, the, once he gets on the score sheet, you know that uh, a few more is definitely on the way. You know, it, it could he could score again any moment. So, yeah. uh, I, I think next game, you know, against Southampton, obviously it's going to be quite tough. But um, I fancy him to um, this time actually get on the score sheet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, it, we we have mentioned him before, uh, or, or this 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 before, and the you know the, the slight drought and how he's been playing. But I think it was one of them. Yesterday, Dave, where he was sort of forcing it a bit, and there were maybe one or two where he possibly could. There was one certainly where he possibly could have put Mane in. I mean, he 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 has a good chance himself, but if he gets the pass right to Mane, Mane Mane's running it into the net probably. And there are a couple others where he's just snatched at it, but he keeps going, he keeps going, and he's he is the only one alive. Carragher's right, he is the only one alive in the 90th minute when that ball comes back in. He is anticipating. He puts the ball, you know, in the in the best place that he can from there, and uh, he gets his gets his bit of luck. So, you know, um, what do you reckon? You think that'll be that'll sort of kick him on now, and we'll uh, we'll see him we'll see him hit the back of the net a few more times. Yeah, you would hope so. You know, the- he does. He does, you know, make that goal happen, even though it's uh, obviously not not his goal. Yeah, listen, he wins the game as far as I'm concerned, and I think as far as as far as other players in the changing room will be concerned, and you could see, you know, you could see how Van Dijk approached them at the end. He waited behind just to give him a big massive cuddle because they viewed that as him winning the game. And I know it's not his goal, but those are the types of goals that. You've seen him score, and you know more so at Roma, where he, he would pop up the back post and he would kind of scruffily smuggle it over the line. Whereas with people now, kind of associate Salah with, he's just kind of curled one into the top corner, and that's really hard to do. But the fact of the matter is, he is a goal scorer, and he keeps putting himself in those positions to score goals, and eventually it will happen. And you know, I think we've said it, it. It was just going to take something scruffy and it's that scrappy, shitty goal just to just to get him up and running again and, and kickstart him again. And that that might be it. I nearly think that this fact that he hasn't scored, I think it's nearly stopped becoming a thing. We keep winning games. There's more focus around the title race, the Champions League draw. Everyone's head falling off at us continuing to defy all predictions and all logic and get goals like Origi's against Everton and goals like Sturridge's against Chelsea. And we, we keep doing this. Penalties against Fulham. We just keep we just keep 
doing these things to get us over the line. And I nearly think it isn't an issue anymore. You know, we've been winning and I think the less focused on it, the better. So if that, I don't, I don't, do you know what? I don't, I don't care loads. He's still affecting games. We've talked about this, Chief, you know. Yeah. He's still, he's still, he's still affecting still games massively. Exactly. His name isn't on the score sheet, technically, as we said, but he's made he's made the telling contribution there that's uh, that's you know ended up or resulted in uh, the victory. So uh, so yeah, I mean I'm, I I don't want to spend too long on it. I just thought that we'd, we'd give it a mention because I think the way the way he sort of his reaction to the goal, although it wasn't wasn't it was kind of of course it was a celebration, but it was more. Uh, you know, a bit of relief, a bit of kind of obviously the thank God bit in there, and uh, but I think that was maybe meant with uh, even more gusto than the normal. You know, thank <laughs> thank God for that kind of thing. Um, so I, I'm quite hopeful. So I just wanted to, to give it a wee mention. I'm quite hopeful. I think that that'll sort of be the monkey off his back a wee bit, and he'd just go on now. Yeah, listen, he he will score. He will score another goal. You know. Oh, I there's no, no doubt about that. But like. I think I want him. I want him to get the golden boot, you know, because he is the best striker in the league. I don't want to go to Harry Kane or fucking Aguero or whatever. I want Salah getting it. So I would like to think that now he can he can kick on and he's he's perfectly capable. If he if if that has given him the the kind of confident touch again in front of goal, he's probably capable of, of getting another ten this season, you know. Someone will go out and score a hat trick. One of those players will go out and score a hat trick, and they'll still score and five in two games or something, and that'll be it. Um, yeah. And if it's Salah, then all the better for us. Exactly, and I, I think he wants to win it, you know, because I think he wants to kind of. Obviously, he ran away with it last year, uh, but if he wins Golden Boot again, even if he scores twenty goals less or fifteen goals less than he scored last year, if he wins a Golden Boot again, nobody can say, "Ah, oh, you were one season wonder," or you know, you couldn't do, you couldn't live up to it, or whatever. Like, and I think, although he probably doesn't think think about it that much, it would just be nice. It would also be nice for his pride and whatever. But yeah, you know, it's not that not the be all and end all. Yeah, well, he's he's what two goals behind Aguero, who is being talked about as the best import the Premier League has ever had yeah. and Aguero has probably been more available this season than most seasons Guardiola's managed him really well and he stayed relatively injury free yeah. so you know if that's not a good return then fuck I don't know what is mate oh, absolutely oh it's, it's a good return I just um, it would be nice to see that's all let him kick on and maybe maybe get a hat trick against uh, against Saints but since you mentioned, since we mentioned kind of Aguero there, um, I just want to spend a moment on Man City. Of course, they um, we mentioned pre-pod. They they had Fulham uh, on Saturday afternoon away at Craven Cottage, and uh, yeah, Fulham not only welcomed them to Craven Cottage, they they opened the door and, and invited uh, City right in. Uh, first five minutes, uh, City are City are one nil up, and and they closed the game com- completely. So. Um, we couldn't have expected anything else there. Huh? It was nailed on. Obviously, Fulham are bottom of the league or second bottom of the league for a reason. Uh, there was no chance they were really going to put put up a fight. So they've got Cardiff away now. Um, I think on Wednesday night. So before we play our next game, they will they will play Cardiff. Um, so just briefly, we reckon they're going to take three points there and and going to be one point clear again before we play Saints. Do you think, Dave? There's no chance Cardiff are getting anything there, are they? Um, no, that's they're not. as well. Oh, is it? Is it? It's at the Etihad. Well, then definitely not. They'll murder them. 
Yeah. Run murder them. Cardiff will have about fucking 15% possession. Um, so uh, if, if they even, if they had more than 15 touches in City's half, I'll be surprised. Never mind their penalty area. Yeah. Yeah, I don't hold up much hope at all. I think uh, Cardiff at the Eddie Hat will, will be swatted aside. Cengiz, you, you, you agree with that? Yeah, I think it's a no-brainer, uh, and I, I think we we should we shouldn't even, it doesn't even help talking about it because <laughs> I mean it's it's kind of we're 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 not really helping ourselves or uh, no absolutely I mean I I don't think we we can garner any hope from it more it's more in the uh... but the next game the next league game after Cardiff is Crystal Palace away so that's that's when it's gonna um, get tricky for them they obviously have the uh, first leg of the quarterfinal before Palace and the FA Cup semi-finals before that. So uh, after Cardiff, they play the semi-finals three days after, uh, I think. Yeah. And then uh, three days after that, they play the first leg away at Spurs. Um, and uh, after that, they play Palace away. So I think that's when uh, Cardiff is pretty much there together with Brighton, their last few kind of more easy games and then it's proper crunch time for them so yeah absolutely i mean they they run into traffic but given the uh the nature of the teams fulham and cardiff that we're we're talking about now uh there's not really any any scope um that or any likelihood that they they were going to drop any points at all so liverpool will um will come in to to the game against southampton on friday night uh, one point behind Manchester City, we would we would yeah safely forecast uh, Southampton away. Dave Ralph Hasenhutl or Hasenhutl, uh, what 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 are they calling this? The Swiss clock or something like that? Uh, not sure, I can't remember. Um, but um, but yeah, he's he's kind of turned things around a little bit at Southampton. They've had a couple of decent results against bigger sides. Uh, I believe they beat Arsenal at home. Uh, they give United a really good run for their money, and we're, we're unlucky in that game. Um, they won their last couple of matches. I think they they look safe. I mean, mathematically, it, it's still possible. Well, they're still technically involved, but they they look safe. Um, in, in yeah, from a realistic point of view, so um, it's an interesting one. Obviously, they're uh, much. Yeah, much more uh, probably uh, difficult prospect than they were when Mark Hughes was the manager there earlier in the season. They they look kind of revitalised. They believe in themselves a bit. So, uh, how how do you see this one? Um, yeah, I saw some form table points since uh, the start of January or something like that. And you know, I think they've as many points as most teams at the top end. Aside from aside from City and Liverpool, I think over the last thirteen games, I think there's something like 20, 24 points or something. So they're going at somewhere approaching, you know, in around two points a game, which yeah. it's not that's not relegation form or anything close to it. That's that's top half form. So I don't I think I think in this instance, the league table's not really a, a, an accurate reflection of of where the Southampton team are at this moment in time. So they're going to be a more difficult prospect than than you would certainly imagine. I think they've, you, you, you've, they've taken points off Arsenal, as you said there. I think they took points off Spurs recently as well. Mind you, a lot of people have taken Spurs, points off Spurs recently, but 
even still, it's no mean feat, as we, we saw ourselves uh, on Sunday. I nearly think I nearly think it'll be a, a manager that Klopp will be more familiar with because he will play something similar to to what uh, Leipzig did in the Bundesliga. So you know, and and that that has been something that the Klopp kind of really tra- started trending in Germany. So I think he will probably be more familiar with it than most managers will. But listen. There, there's no easy games now, you know. There's no easy games at all. We just need to. I, I, and we said, oh, the, the last four. Once we get the last, people are talking about the last four. Like, if if we get past Chelsea, we'll just go and win the last four matches. That's not that. That's not as easy as it sounds, especially at this stage of the season, especially with Champions League commitments. And there's always weird results happen at the end of the season, especially with teams fighting down the the bottom end of the table or, or fighting for for European positions or whatever. So we'll see. I, I, I can't see us winning. We're not, I don't think we're going to win another match 5-0 this season. Mm, no, I, I, can, I can go along with that. I mean, we mentioned, uh, I think, on the last pod that at this stage, everything's going to be nervy, everything's going to be tense. You know, players are tired. There's a lot of games, a lot of pressure, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of... In terms of Southampton, um, as we mentioned, you know they're uh, they're a more formidable side than their league position suggests. There, you know, Cengiz Dave mentions there that they they're they're up there in the form table, uh, certainly since the the turn of the year. So we say, what, how are we approaching this? I mean, it's it's a way. It's it's under the lights. Uh, it's gonna. It's a, it's a nine o'clock kickoff. Eight o'clock in in, in the UK. Nine o'clock, I think, uh, here in in in, in Central Europe. It's going to be dark. Floodlights are on. Uh, it's on TV. It's a big showcase for for Hasenhutl. So he probably have the guys, uh, you know, the team right up for it. Uh, they have had success against uh, against big clubs recently, uh, top six clubs, uh, particularly at home. So yeah, how does Klopp approach this? Because he's he's gone. He's been going four three three. He went four three three against Spurs. He threw in that midfield again. Is is kind of tried and trusted one, which. Raises a lot of eyebrows, and nowadays it raises more eyebrows than it doesn't. So we say certainly more so than than it did uh, at the beginning of the season. Uh, so how is it, how are we approaching this, uh, and what what sort of a midfield is he picking? Are, are we are we going to see a, a flat three again with with Ronaldo, Milner, and Henderson, uh, or surely it's time for um, Fabinho to to step back in and and maybe for us to see a, a little bit? Um, or, or or how is he going to approach it? How would how would you? What do you yeah, see? Well, I mean, as as you guys mentioned, um, their recent form has been great under Hasenhutl. Uh, they they look um, uh, revitalized and they they have a bit more purpose about them. But they're still only five points clear of um, Cardiff. So you know they they have all to fight for. And you know uh, playing at home, um, you know we, we've had some dodgy results um, there before. You know they they haven't really. Uh, been the most comfortable of teams at all times for us, but um, you know they're, they're going to be fighting for it. And I think um, even though there's plenty of recovery time between um, yesterday and Friday, um, I think this time we, we should see Fabinho. I mean, we just have to have him in the side. I think he should he should be the first midfielder on the team sheet because he's he's got a bit of everything about him. He he's tall. He the, the moment he came on uh, yesterday against Spurs, 
he instantly started winning headers, all of them, every single one of them. He's 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 so good in aerial duels, and you know he has the long legs, and he can just stick his foot out, and just when you think that you're going past him, he gets a leg on you. So, I mean, he, and his range of passing, you know, um, he's he's pretty much the complete midfielder, and I I I don't really know why uh, we haven't um, uh, we we didn't start him actually the last game. I mean. He didn't really play that many minutes uh, for the national team in Brazil, and um, he he's been consistently good since the turn of the year. Um, so I, th- I think he should definitely be on that team sheet together with Wijnaldum, and yeah, the other one is up for grabs. Uh, obviously, it's going to be Henderson or Milner, but I think um, we we stick to the four three three with uh, Fabinho in it, and um, we we might not actually see. <clears throat> a switch in formation to a four-two-three-one until uh, probably next season, I, I would think. Uh, now, unless we really need to, but um, I, I think we're going to be seeing um, these core players of Fabinho, um, Genie, Milner, Henderson. Uh, these four players will play pretty much every single um, game, I, I would think. Um, un- unless we have some injury concerns, and every now and then you'll, you'll of course, um, we'll probably see Lalana, and it, it might actually be a good game for Lalana, Southampton, because um, even though Southampton, <laughs> even though um, Southampton are gonna, um, you know, they're, they're gonna try and attack every now and then, they're uh, they'll still um, make sure they're protected at the back, and uh, they're gonna try and um, look and stifle us. I don't think Hasenhutl would be. Um, uh, crazy enough to um, go all gung ho and try and uh, play a wild game against Klopp. So he, he's definitely going to try and test our patience and see if they can uh, maybe hit us on the break and uh, force us into making mistakes or isolating, um, uh, try and isolate Van Dyke like uh, Spurs did. Of course, that wasn't easy to do, but um, it's going to be a massive game though. And I think out of all the um, games that we have left that we have to well we only have uh, we have, we have three away games left is that right so we have Southampton Cardiff and Newcastle I'd probably say this one could be the trickiest although uh, Cardiff and Newcastle equally worry me as well but every single game is going to be a big test and um, I think um, Klopp also po- pointed out that the only game that we play in the last six games which the team is not fighting for something with its relegation or um, something or, or the or the top four like in, for instance Chelsea is the Wolves game. They're you know they're seventh. They're 16 points clear of sixth uh, place Chelsea, so they're not really qualify um, pushing for U- European qualification or anything like that. And we play them at home. But apart from that game, I would say every single one of them is going to be a big big test. But um, hopefully we have more than enough to um, get past this. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I mean, uh, I suppose in a way you could say that's a, a nice one to finish on if uh, if we need a result on the last day and, and Wolves are perhaps more interested in the FA Cup final or, um, you know, that, that, that would be quite nice. Uh, Dave, just over to you then. Obviously, Fabinho not making the, the starting lineup at the weekend raised a lot of eyebrows, caused a lot of uh, gasps. Um, I think a lot of people feel... Um, that he should be the first name on that midfield team sheet. Do you expect him to come back in just briefly against Southampton? And, and how do you see the game going? Um, yeah. How do you see it panning out? 
Yeah, I would expect them to come back in. Although I don't, I don't know why people are so surprised at at that at that midfield three that was that was playing on 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 Sunday because that's three plays in the big games, and you know. Oh, but I think I think a lot of people feel are beginning to feel that that worked. Uh, that has worked in the past, but that that midfield three lacks something, and uh, it lacks lacks creativity, and um, it 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 is perhaps being stretched a little too far at this point. So um, I, I totally agree. I totally agree that that is his go to three. It, it has been for all the big games this this season, particularly away in the Champions League. But it has come under more and more scrutiny as the performances haven't necessarily stacked up. Say it's unfair. Um, I don't know, Chief. What do you think? Um, because do we? I think you're right. I think they, they do certainly lack a certain amount of attacking zest, if you want. And they are three fairly similar players. But do we underestimate the defensive solidity that that those three playing together provide? Possibly, yeah. I don't know the answer. I don't know, but you can't really argue with our defensive record. Like I said, we were very, very good without the ball yesterday, especially first half. Very, very good without the ball. And Klopp obviously trusts those three to carry out their tactical instructions to a T, to an absolute T. And he might just not be quite there with, with Fabinho yet. But I think for this sort of game, he does come back in. I think maybe Lalana, maybe... Maybe Kaida, given the given the the team that we're playing, mm-hmm. you know, you know, maybe it's something he'd be more familiar with. But I feel um, like I might not see Kaida play again. Sadly, it just feels like unless you know, there's it, unless there's a no pressure situation, I don't think uh, he would start Kaida out of will um, in any game. No. You might be you might be right, Angus and. Klopp is more pragmatic than I think we've we've all. Then we give him credit for. Yeah, totally, totally. People associate him with this, you know, thrilling end-to-end <clears throat> basketball style of football. And when the when the when the time comes for that, like against say an Arsenal, and you want to turn it into a tennis match because you'll know you'll absolutely outgun them, then yeah, we we're brilliant, and there's no better manager. In the world, I think for for that sort of football, but there's far more to him than that, and his pragmatism, I think, is is underrated and um, certainly underestimated. And like I say, I, th- I think that's probably why he goes with those three so often um, in the big games. That I mean, I, I I think I would I would absolutely go along with that, but I think my only concern with it is that uh, while pragmatism's Pragmatism is great and to be lauded when it's working and when it works. When it doesn't, it can look like uh, it can look a little bit like you you feel to adapt, you feel to move with the times, and you you've maybe played a little bit safe. Um, but while it works, it works, and that's and, and that's all good. I mean, see what I mean it, on a on a much more extreme scale of plays with Mourinho, doesn't it? Yeah, pragmatic football, boring football, whatever. It, it's great when you're winning trophies, but when and you're losing games. Nobody wants to watch it. The fans don't want to come, and you end up looking like a dick. I think Dave actually makes a good point, which I um, oh, thanks. Actually, that's a first. 
they mentioned, you know, like how, um, you know, he, he, Klopp thinks that, you know, with, with this tried and trusted midfield, um, they can carry out the instructions um, to the point. So I think, you know, considering how vocal a manager he is and mm-hmm. how much he, he screams on the sideline and he instructs, he's constantly instructing. And, you know, um, if, if, if you're positionally wrong, he's telling you what you have to do and whatnot. You know, if, if, you, if you can't bring across your instruction 100% clear during the game, then that could end up being, you know, that that's maybe a risk that he doesn't want to take. So, I mean, he's worked with Milner and Henderson and Gini for a number of years now. And Fabinho and Kato are still um, learning uh, the language as well. You know, their, their English is not perfect. And I think the ability to communicate during the game, regardless of, you know, how good... Um, a player's form is uh, or something you know if you if, if a situation happens where you want to get a clear message across during the game and you know not, not have any um second thoughts about whether um it's it's fully understood or taken on board or whatever he might think that you know in these big games it might it, it could just be more um safer to play that way and maybe look on to bring players like Fabinho who can have an impact later on during the game and you know perhaps it could be an advantage in that uh, the opponent is already um, tired and you know then you have someone who's still like preferably first choice in the team to then come on and you know try and change the game so yeah it, it, it could be that as well yeah yeah absolutely I mean I, I think he, he certainly does have a, a very pragmatic streak about him and um, we've mentioned it before and we've, we've mentioned it in connection with that that very same midfield, uh, but it is interesting, and I think there is something uh, on on the issue of, or on the on the point of perhaps Naby Keita not being uh, not us not seeing that much more than this season. Certainly not in any in any uh, high pressure situations because he's a player. I think that at this point, Klopp doesn't. It, he is too unpredictable. I think at this point, I think Klopp doesn't quite trust him just just to to make sure the basics are are done. Uh, to so, so yeah. I mean, I, I fully expect Fabinho to come back in, and I, I don't think we need to see a team with Henderson and Milner in it. To be honest, I, I, <laughs> I've thought that for a long time. Uh, but yeah, we'll 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 see how we end up. Um, so finally, then just just to round up, um, you want to give us a, a prediction for the game, then, Jengis? I'm gonna go three-one. Okay, nice, nice, comfortable. I'm enjoying it. It's a good Friday night. What about you, Dave? What do you reckon? They don't score a lot of goals, do they, Southampton? Um, no, they've gone a little bit mean. I've noticed a couple of one nils and a, a couple of nil nils. Yeah, they don't score a lot of goals, and they're certainly keeping them out of that. Two nil with like a one in the last ten minutes. So a professional performance then, first 10 and last 10? Yeah, something like that, yeah. That sweating would be, that, a bit in between? Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- listen, they're, they're all going to be horrible from now on. They're, th- <laughs> there's, there's, Not there's like a, a weekend for the rest of the season? Well, do you know what? See, after, like, after's fine. Because yeah. generally we win. But, you know, those 90 minutes, they're, they're tough at the minute. Um, and I think they're all going to be tough. Yeah. So I I don't I don't expect I, I, let's go two 0 Just go two 0 Okay, I like that. That's a 
It's a two-goal winning margin for both the year. We've gone 3-1, perhaps a little bit more explosive for Cengiz and, and an edgy but ultimately professional and comfortable 2-0 for Dave. Yeah, I might go a little bit. I think we'll. I think we might get three nil. Um, but I think if we do get three nil, the third will be a late one. Uh, but yeah. Um, so I think I think we'll win. I think we're all going for wins. I think it is a must win. Of course, we're probably going to be going into the game one point uh, behind, as we said. So hopefully, uh, we'll be finishing the week two points clear as City then have to switch into FA Cup mode. Unlucky lads. All right, so um, on that note, I guess we'll we'll leave it there. So uh, I just want to say thanks very much to my guests, Jengis uh, Kokkery in, in Berlin and uh, Dave Dunning in uh, Belfast. And thank you very much for listening. If you have bothered to stick with us, thank you. Uh, we will catch you again in next week. Who says about time?